This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hey, this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You. We are excited to dive into today's conversation around something that's not terribly wonderful news, but it is very interesting and very solvable nonetheless. You might have heard the term the mommy tax or its more modern iteration, the motherhood penalty. And we're going to dive into why it's problematic and what can be done about it. So what's actually fun is that this is one of those problems that's very solvable. So, you know, you might hear a lot of things in this episode that are really depressing and really messed up and that make you mad, but just know they have very concrete solutions. Right. And I think the mommy tax is interesting because you might have remembered last month in April, equal pay day rolled around, which is that unfortunate so-called holiday. I'm putting that in air quotes because it's an eye roll type of holiday. That is a symbolic date that represents how many days into 2017 the average woman had to work to earn what the average American man took home in his paycheck last year. And this, the mommy tax, really is one of the main contributing factors to why the pay gap between men and women in America is so seemingly intractable, so persistent. And the the mommy tax was a, a term first coined way back in 2001, a la, what, in sync days? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that the term is a little dated, but I think it's funny because Anne Crittenden wrote her book called The Price of Motherhood, and she coined the term the mommy tax, even though nowadays it tends to be noted more as the motherhood penalty and the fatherhood wage premium. And it really is because this is a a financial phenomenon that doesn't just affect women. Right, Bridget? It doesn't. It impacts dads, too, men, too. Um, There's some interesting research that suggests that um, it impacts men. Uh, Get ready for the shocker. It's Mm -hmm. actually... When a man is a child, it's actually good for his career, Mm -hmm. um, and women are sometimes penalized for it. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that is sort of just independently focused on women. Right. And that's really what the motherhood or the mommy tax is. It's this reality in the modern American job market that having a child is not a good career move for women. And the New York Times put it really blatantly when they had this uh, 2014 article with the, the title, A Child Helps Your Career If You're a Man. And it opens with just putting it all out there, saying one of the worst career moves a woman can make is to have children. Mothers are less likely to be hired for jobs, to be perceived as competent at work, or to be paid as much 
as their male colleagues with the same qualifications. So just by becoming a mom and someone else, importantly, knowing that you are a mother, they project all of these assumptions on you that can really negatively impact your career, which is not fair. It's not fair. And what's so what's so kind of like shocking about this is that one of the studies that we found when we were researching this for this show was they did this really interesting test where they had resumes and on the resumes, they were both identical resumes. And then men and women. So a man and a woman with the identical resume. And on the women's resume, they put, you know, uh, like on the board of the PTA. Right. Suggesting that she was a mom and that for the woman that, you know, people didn't call her back. Like I think it was like she got callbacks half half the time. Yeah. And that for men, it helps them. And right. so this idea is that like for men, you know, you can think of it as the daddy boost. Men are going to be more likely to be perceived as having these like positive attributions of being a dad. So being warm or being affable or caring. being caring. Yeah. And that's Whereas a good a, thing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, great. He's a dad. Right. He must be like a good guy. Um, <laughs> and then for a woman, it's like, oh, she's a mom. She must be flighty and irresponsible and uncommitted, you know, yeah. not committed to work. So th- you're, you're talking about this study by Shelly Corral, who is an, um, she's done some, a couple of studies that have been really troubling to read. She's a sociology professor at Stanford. And in that experiment, those fake resumes were actually sent really and truly to hundreds of real employers. And they were identical. Um, but what's interesting is not only were fathers more likely to be called back when compared to male resumes without the PTA line. So presumably no fatherhood uh, mention whatsoever. So men get a boost for simply being known as being a father. But mothers were half as likely to be called back when compared to other women. That's wild. And in a similar study that she did in the lab, uh, Carell asked participants how much they would pay job applicants if they were employers with these same resumes. Mothers were offered on average $11,000 less than childless women and 13000 less than fathers. So clearly the pay gap is real, but the pay gap between moms and child-free women is really real, too. That's outrageous. I mean, honestly, when you think about what they're calling the daddy boost, it really reminds me of this sort of, like, cultural notion that, like, oh, dads, if you're, I feel like the bar is kind of low for dads. I feel like dads, like, if you are a father who is taking any kind of active role in your child's life, society is so willing to applaud you for that. Mm -hmm. With a woman, it's like... They're so ready to tear her down. It builds right into these outdated stereotypes about what a woman's role is in the family and what a man's role is. Totally. So it almost it doesn't really surprise me that the daddy bonus or the the fatherhood premium exists because people still today think, oh, he's got a family. He needs to support them. Right. He's obviously the breadwinner. And the mom is just like supplementary income. It's like... You know, it's like this idea that, like, if you're a working woman, you're just, like, working to, like, have spending money and that your husband is taking care of your, like, you know, children financially. Or worse. Or worse. It's like, why aren't you home taking care of your kids? terrible. You're probably distracted because that's what you're actually doing. So for men, the, the research shows that having a child is clearly good for your career path. It's it's good for getting hired, for getting callbacks and interviews. They're more likely to be higher than childless men and be paid more after they have children. It builds into this outdated assumption that uh, men are breadwinners or the sole breadwinners right. of the family and therefore need to be paid more to support their family. And for me, actually, this came up... 
We're going to dive into the the nuanced research of this in a second. But for me, this actually came up in a real way recently when Brad the Boo was negotiating his new job offer that it required a cross-country move. And we are unmarried and have a dog. Let me just be clear <laughs> about this. We are unmarried and have a dog. And yet when he was negotiating, and yes, I did coach him through that negotiation because that's a, that's one of the perks of having, having me around. You know, we, we really prepared for his reasoning and his argument. And one of the, one of the pieces of the conversation that he sort of added in on his own was, listen, this isn't just me we're talking about. We're uprooting, you know, my family and we're all moving across the country. And I kind of like laughed a little bit at hearing him play the family card. So does your dog Teddy like, oh yeah, I part mean, of the fam? Part of the fam. <laughs> such a part of the fam that, you know, we had to pull him out of doggy daycare and everything. <laughs> A new dog school? I know. He has to make new friends all over again. The trauma. The trauma. But it worked for him. He got everything he asked for, and it was a substantial moving bonus to cover the costs of all of our relocation. So it was just kind of interesting that if he was a woman, I would have probably advised him against saying that. But he didn't. He he, It worked for him. Yeah, and I, I almost feel like if he was a woman, that line of, like, I'm moving my whole family wouldn't. Would not, would not cut it. Like, I feel like they almost would be inspired to pay that person less. Yes. That's clearly what the research points to. And it, it, the, those differences in resumes and pay offered and likelihood of being called back or hired, they persist even after controlling for factors. This is straight out of the New York Times article, like the hours people work, the types of jobs they choose and the salaries of their spouses. So the disparity is not because Mothers become less productive employees and fathers work harder when they become parents, but because employers expect them to. So what's interesting that I found um, is that mothers actually are are great workers, right? You might be thinking like, oh, well, maybe it's just that like when women become mothers, they just stop caring about their jobs and they, um, you know, no. that's wrong. <laughs> no way. No way. Incorrect. Um, yeah, all of the studies are, are pretty conclusive that moms, you know, becoming a mother does not impact a woman's motivation at work. It does not impact her ambition or her um, efficiency at all. Um, if anything, a, they're more efficient. Totally. Um, compared to fathers, mothers are actually more engaged at work and work more intensely. Uh, for example, mothers more often than fathers reported that they, quote, got so involved in their work that they forget about everything else, even time. Right. And so that's mm. a direct quote of, a, of someone who was a participant in the study that, like, Working women are not sort of like slacking off and not just sort of like, you know, at work, but really, you know, in their heads thinking about picking up the kid at soccer or Mm -hmm. making dinner or whatever. They're actually working as hard as, if not harder, than their male counterparts. But yet this perception problem persists. Right. And I can understand the challenge, right? It's certainly not easy, but I think women are almost overcompensating. Totally. Because we know that perception is real. Yeah. And the fear around being seen as less committed when you have a child is so uh warranted. It's so legitimate because this perception problem really does hold women back. I had a friend um, when I was working at a big media outlet who was a mom, and she said that um, whenever she mentioned having to do something related to her kids, like, oh, I can't make that meeting because I have a, a, you know, mm-hmm. my kid as a thing, mm-hmm. she would always just say, I have an appointment. Because yeah. she noticed that if she ever said... I can't, you know, because, because of reason right. with my child, but that when her male counterpart employees in the same position, same whatever, said something like, oh, I have my kid's thing, the reactions Aww. were like, oh, what a good dad, a oh, good you're guy. going to the soccer yeah. game, oh, exactly. like, 
But for her, it was seen as like a mm, slacking. Yeah. And so it's interesting how these stereotypes and these myths kind of play out um, in our everyday work lives. Yeah, it's infuriating. Yeah. It's such a double standard. Definitely. Um, well, I think what's also problematic here is the the pay gap, right? The pay gap is something we hear a lot about between men and women. But when you really look at this data about child-free pay gap or child-free women versus mothers and their pay gap, the difference is so significant. So childless, unmarried women earn 96 cents for every dollar a man earns on average, which is progress, in my yeah. opinion, like great progress. While And still, there's a room to go, right? I think there's plenty of room to go. But while married mothers earn 76 cents for the dollar that men make, widening that gap to where it seems like it needs it needs to be close. Yeah, it needs to be close. That, I mean, that's so infuriating because I just think about um, my mom growing up. Like, my mom is a doctor, and mm. she worked her way through medical school when we were kids. And, like, wow. you know, she worked as a maid and, like, all of this. Like, she worked so hard. And to have it be, like, because of us, I guess, right. <laughs> she didn't make as much money. Like, that is just infuriating. hmm And some people might be saying, but wait, don't moms, you know, just tend to work less after they have kids? Don't they pull back? Doesn't that explain it? And the research clearly states that no, some mothers cut back on hours or accept lower paying jobs that are more family friendly. And we know that flexibility is high on the, on the desirables list for both men and women these days. And that for companies to retain talent, that's definitely a big part of how they're doing so, especially amongst millennial men who report wanting work-life balance right. and work-family balance more so, or just on the same rate as millennial women, which I think we can really solve this problem, really. If right. we make, if we make, if our generation makes this a priority, I think we can really make progress here. But with mothers cutting back on hours or accepting lower paying jobs, that only explains about a quarter to a third of the motherhood penalty. So it says here that it's true that fathers sometimes work more mm-hmm. after having children, but that explains at most 16% of their bonus. So basically, the there are there are personal choices that feed into the premium that dads get and the penalty that moms get, but it's not sufficient. The majority of the gap research suggests is based on good old-fashioned discrimination. Oh, our, our old friend. Just straight up perception and you know, we know that the truth is that moms, mothers are efficient. At mothers work. are efficient. They work just as hard, if not harder than men. The research is really clear about that. Um, and they're motivated by, you know, wanting to provide for their families. They're just, just like men are, right? right. Like, um, mothers and fathers are equally motivated by their family responsibilities to provide financially for their households. And so it's not like women are pulling back, you know, because they, because that's a choice they're making. They're doing the same thing that men are doing, but still getting paid less for it. And mm-hmm. so I think that double standard is really what I find to be so sort of mind boggling that it, it is just based on myths and discrimination and sexism. Right. And this is becoming especially important to figure out this motherhood penalty is especially unfair now that four in 10 American households with kids include a mother who is either the sole or primary earner for her family. So we really got to like 
get this we got to get it together on this america get it together lock it up because the fact is these outdated assumptions presume that the male is the breadwinner right. and so he should earn more to provide for his family and it also presumes unfairly that the woman is the primary caregiver mm-hmm. so she must be distracted at work and that just ain't true anymore. it's not true they're myths they're myths so I think we have a lot more to talk about on this. But first, I want to take a moment to hear from our sponsors. And when we are back, we're going to talk about how this affects high-income women versus not-so-high-income women very differently. But first, let's take a break. Got to tell you about Best Fiends. It's the game pretty much everybody's talking about. Morgan number two plays this sometimes before we start the show. You know, it really challenges your brain with the fun puzzles, but it's also a very casual game, so it won't stress you out, which is perfect these days, right? What's great is you can use the game as a way to connect with your friends and your family, all while social distancing. The game is so much more than your average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of characters to collect. You know, there are new in-game challenges and events every month, so the game's always fresh. You'll never be bored with it. You can even play the game without using Wi-Fi. So, here we go. You don't want to miss out on the game. Join millions of Americans and a lot of us here on the show who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play today. Just go over there, hit download Best Fiends for free, Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Check it out. I do think you'll like it. Friends without the R, Best Fiends. This episode is brought to you by Quip. When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new Smart Electric Toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. The Quip Smart Brush for adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth, so you can track when you're brushing, get tips, you can earn points, and you can redeem those points for rewards. Already have a Quip? Upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. And beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. Equal-friendly solar battery charger to power your Quip with sunshine and the refresh bag to bring you good oral care habits everywhere you go. Plus, you can get brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills delivered from $5. And shipping is free. How smart is that? Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash stuffmom right now to get your first refill free. That is your first refill free at getquip.com slash stuffmom. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash stuffmom. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. Interestingly, B, there is one exception as to where the motherhood penalty stops showing up altogether. So who of all the women in the world don't get penalized with the motherhood Ooh, penalty? I feel like I could guess. Mm-hmm. Is it super rich women? It is. Ding, ding, ding. We <laughs> have so a winner. So it's funny. Being a woman holds you back if you're a mom at work, except if you're a super loaded rich mom. Who would have thought? Right. That- Immense wealth would have such privileges. (laughs) Such privileges. Let's just add one more to the pile, shall we? So this this is from uh, Ms. Budwig Budig's study. Oh, sorry, Ms. Budig. I think I messed your name up. But what she found was that women in the top ten percent of earners lost no income when they had children, and those in the top five percent received bonuses. So they have that fatherhood premium effect when you are a super loaded rich mom in the top. 5% of income earners. She speculated that these 
rarefied jobs or these these high income uh, employers see their high performing women in a similar way that they traditionally see men and that women might need more money to provide for their families, a.k.a. to provide for their professional caretakers who they need to afford, you know, to afford the time to, right. to be devoted to their jobs in such a big way. Yeah, I mean, that's completely unsurprising to me, right? Like, I, and this is something I, I think I've always sort of been an advocate for is when we talk about motherhood, when we talk about having a family, the way mm. that economics reflects on that, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, I feel like we talk about um, being a working mom in this sort of blanket way. And we sort of don't like to acknowledge that, yeah, if you're wealthy, your right. challenges look different than the challenges of a low-income mother. The things that you're up against look different. Um, I, I always, it makes me cringe whenever, yeah. you know, I think it was like Gwyneth Paltrow or somebody where they were like, oh, so you're a working mom. How do you do it? And I'm like, she probably has lots of help. She probably hasn't like nannies well, and cooks. I, I just love women who are very clear about that. Yeah. Who is, it was, um, someone. No, it was John, John Legend's Wife. Oh, uh, Chris, uh, Chrissy Teigen. Oh, she's so great. I love so her. Ways. Get her cookbook. Yeah. Shout out to her cookbook. Shout it's really good. to Chrissy Teigen in so many ways. So she was like, you want to know how I bounced back? I have a lot of help. I have a lot of professional help from a physical standpoint, but also, you know, not just on my training, you know, not just my trainer helping me get my body uh, right. back to model status, <laughs> but... Also, she has so much help because she can afford it. And this is where I am frustrated by Marissa Mayer, the CEO Mm. of Yahoo, who was back from giving birth just a a few short weeks afterwards. And she had a nursery attached to her office. Must be nice. Which sounds great. But and and I'm not here to shame her for going back to work so soon because I, I just think for anyone to extrapolate anything about Marissa Mayer's motherhood experience that is supposed to be comparable or relatable to the average female worker, like the average mother worker's experience is absurd. Yeah, I agree. And I, that's what makes me cringe is that we do that. Like, Mm -hmm. why do we uphold someone like the, like someone who's a big wig at Yahoo, who was super, super rich? Why do we talk about her motherhood experience like as if it is supposed to be, be like, Comparable. as if we're able to yeah. like, glean anything about that from a regular working mom. Like, I, I yeah. don't know why we live in a culture that insists that there's some some information to be had there when I feel like, you know, there's just not. I think it's hard for us to acknowledge that instead of my individuality, my individual contributions to work that I'm being measured on or that I'm being judged on, that I fall into a category uh, you know, that, that comes with preconceived notions that might right. hold me back. I think there's just an American obsession with individuality also that makes it hard for us to say, well, maybe there are macro level prejudices acting upon me. That's so interesting. I mean, that's, I think you're so right. And that's so interesting it's where sad. it's like, I almost wonder if, you know, and I'm not a mom, but like when you become a mom, right. are you, are you just like in this category of like, you're no longer like a woman. You're no longer like an individual. You're a mom. I mean, I feel like from what I've heard, again, I'm not a mother either, but your identity shifts and the way it's not just external either. The way other people see you shifts, but the way you see yourself shifts. And, and I'd love to hear from our moms in the audience too. And I, and I think that the solutions to this problem really adhere or apply to all of us in terms of what, what would make work easier 
for all women, period. Right. And what would level the playing field? We're not talking about giving women an advantage. We're talking about removing a penalty that's not fair. Right. And really, speaking of that penalty, if, if it doesn't affect very rich women, guess who it does affect the absolute I most? I bet I can guess. I bet you would get it right Is again. it low-income women? It is. So... The fact that low-income workers benefit the least or suffer the most economically, says the New York Times, is perhaps not surprising. They are the least likely of all to have flexible schedules or benefits like paid parental leave, low-wage women with children under six, when offspring need the most in-person care. They paid a wage penalty five times as great as that of higher-paid women with young children. And as we've established, higher-paid women with young children also pay a pretty significant penalty. Right. So multiply that by five, and that's that's part of the cycle of poverty that's so and, hard. And that's that I find that to be so infuriating because, honestly, it's like everybody deserves to, when you have a child, to, like, have maternal leave or, or paternal leave. Like, everyone deserves that. That's what a, a, a child needs to have a good head start in life. Mm. And it makes me so angry that we have policies in this country that do not reflect, you know, that that's a, an important thing. Like, mm-hmm. if we talk about sort of being pro-life. We talk about sort of preserving, you know, giving kids a good head start. And it's like, our policies do the exact opposite. Well, and we're such an anomaly in terms of the global perspectives we're on this. We're the only we're- developed nation that doesn't have paid parental right. leave. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely right. Let's dive into the policy solutions to this problem in just a second. But first, we're going to take a quick break. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And while we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old. And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family so you don't have to have some stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night, and it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played, hours. And uh, yes, I lost, but I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. 
This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. So as we've established, the fact that having a child can hurt a woman's career and somehow benefit men's careers and their salaries feels completely unfair to me. It is unfair. And grounded in outdated BS stereotypes that no longer apply. So what, oh what, can we do to solve this problem? The good news is... It's very solvable. It's and totally solvable. It has, I, I feel like with so many things that are wrong with our country and with, wrong with our world, it has a policy solution. Yeah, which is... I'm I'm all about individual solutions, you know what I mean? I'm all about taking the power yeah. into your own hands. But this is one of those situations where macro-level economics and macro-level policy solutions take the burden off you as an individual from having to solve this problem and fight these battles on your totally, own. Because I don't think it's a woman's responsibility to have to... Like, I think right. that all women should be good negotiators and be boss ladies. Right. But I don't think it should, you, it should fall on your shoulders to feel like you have to negotiate True. through, like institutional sexism. Right. Right. Like Agreed. you can't, I don't feel like right. you can. And we can't, yeah, we need, we need all people, men and women to come together to solve these big policy problems because guess what? They help men and women both el- eliminate and sh- like sort of shake off these outdated unfair stereotypes that make it harder for a man to be a full-time parent yeah. and and are just as confining sometimes in how well I wouldn't say just as confining but are very confining, confining in their own ways in their own ways that hold men back from leading full and happy and robust lives personally and professionally so so there are two main policy solutions that researchers have found especially in the many other countries that actually have these policies in place that shrink the motherhood penalty. And first and foremost is publicly funded, high-quality child care for babies and toddlers. And that's so important because, I mean, I have only recently found out how expensive it is to have child care. Like, yeah. I didn't, I don't think I realized what an insane, I mean, like, in some places it's, it's you know, it's comparable to paying for Rent. college. Yeah, and or for your, college, for your yeah, kids. it's like, scary expensive. Um, and so I just think that, like, you know, we're not able to be a functional society if we don't allow for people to, you know, care for their kids while they work. Mm. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. And there were two books, actually, that really opened my eyes to that problem. One is called Overwhelmed. It's by Bridget Schulte, who has spent a good portion of her career at the Washington Post. Overwhelmed, work, love, and play when no one has the time. She did an extensive review into the history behind America's relationship with almost, but then not, reforming our policies around child care. Um, it almost happened, but it didn't. We should do a whole other episode on that, quite frankly. And then the other book was one authored by Anne-Marie Slaughter called Unfinished Business. And really, she talks about how the women's movement have helped women act more like men and enter the the fields that men are in and and be more, you know, masculine in our leadership and getting paid. But it hasn't asked, you know, the unfinished business of feminism is that the world hasn't adapted to what women actually need 
in our non-work related lives and right. our personal lives to show up fully. Unfortunately, Kristen and Caroline did a great episode on this uh, just last year, the unfinished business of working class equality. That's a really good episode to check out. Completely. And I also, I mean, I always have to shout this out, but like in my book, it's not feminism if it leaves working class women behind. Oh, right? like, totally. If your feminism is just like, how can women be more like men and how like, you know, mm-hmm. it, I don't think that's, what we're supposed to be doing. I think we're trying to lift everybody up. Yeah, and that's I think that's why the public policy piece is so critical here. The other... So beyond publicly funded, high-quality childcare that's universally, you know, affordable and accessible, which would change the game for women achieving our full potential at work, for men and women, from being, you know, sharing in both work and at-home responsibilities. But beyond that is also paid parental leave policies, which got a lot of press in this last presidential election. Notably, for the first time, and don't, you know, I don't want to give anybody too much credit here, (laughs) for the first time, a major Republican party, right, the major Republican party presidential candidates were on board for paid maternal leave, right? Paid maternity leave. And that is something, right? That is That's not nothing. That is new. And what it means is that they actually acknowledge that women workers are demanding that we catch up to the rest of the developed world. And that maybe it's not a radical government takeover if we ask to be given time off after the arrival of a new child in our lives, whether you give birth to them or not, Right. right? The arrival of a new child in your family to get some time off. And I, I think it's so reasonable. And it's like, I get so cranky about this because when you think about folks who are on the sort of American exceptionalist bandwagon, it's like, <laughs> doesn't that, like, shouldn't that really bother them? If people who are like, oh, America is the greatest country ever, mm. shouldn't it bother them that, like, women, you know, I've heard horror stories of women having to go back to work, you know, days after giving birth, you know, there are lawsuits where, you know, they dictate whether or not a pregnant worker can stand or not. And it's like having to make those choices. Mm. It's, it's, I think it's obscene. It is obscene. It's not very humane if we really think about it. But beyond that, it's not good business. So there's an argument from the, the business community and I own a small business. I get it. It's expensive, right? It's costly. But you know what else is expensive and costly is turnover is like not actually caring about your talent. Right. And. I think there is a lot of argument. There are many arguments to be made that for our economy to function sustainably, that this is not too much to ask. That other countries have clearly made it work. Right. And the problem is here. Here's the problem with just maternity leave, though. What does that set up for the rest of that child's life or the rest of that parental structure? It assumes that mom needs time off because mom is the primary caregiver. Right. And again, it's just like what we were talking about earlier. It's baking these kind of outdated, old-fashioned notions about gender into, you know, the domestic uh, sphere. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. It is troubling, too, because there's a um, kind of sexism here that that's baked into that assumption, this benevolent sexism, mm. which sometimes takes this awful nice sounding form of, well, we want to be kind to women. Right. We want to protect women. And so we're going to care for women, but not treat them like peers, not respect their intellectual prowess or their their ability to show up fully in the workplace. We're going right. to give them this gift because women are weak and need our protection. And it shouldn't, like, that. that's exactly right. <laughs> and it's like, we shouldn't be thinking about paternal or paternity leave as a gift, right? But I think the way that we talk about it 
is it? It's like this like special thing that we're asking Exceptionalism, for. yeah. And, it's, and I, I think it's we're thinking about it all wrong. So right. even when we get it right, we still kind of get it wrong. Yeah, which is sad. Well, I feel like half the dialogue politically has been about maternity leave. Mm-hmm. The other half has been about parental leave. And in countries that um, that have parental leave policies, like Sweden, which actually has really progressive policies, including incentives for new fathers mm. to take that leave, they end up having a smaller pay gap between the motherhood penalty shrinks even further. And it actually encourages the changing role of fathers in society of being more active, and they are rewarded for that. Right. I think that's that tidbit of it is so impactful because mm-hmm. what good is this policy if like men feel kind Don't of shamed out of taking and it? And they do. And like if you incentivize it and say like, no, actually we really want, we think you're going to be a better employee. Right. It's just good business. And so I do think that thinking about it from the business community, that perspective of like, we want to encourage our employees to be happy, healthy, functional, full people when they come to work that our, you know, bottom line is going to improve when that's the case, if you can really incentivize some of these common sense legislations mm. and common sense policies. You sound like you're on the stump. I, this is a common sense policy. Vote, vote for Bridget. I love it. I hope I would totally vote for Bridget. Yeah, I mean, it is it is troubling because and I want I'm glad we're bringing attention to this this nuanced component to what I think gets a lot of ink, which is the pay gap. We hear over and over again that women make, you know, what is it, 70-something cents on the every dollar. dollar. And the, then people start to get all mansplaining on it and start to, like, say, well, not really. And that there's truth to the fact that it's very complex and nuanced. But when you still control for all the personal choices that go into it, moms especially, but women overall, are still paid less than men for the same work. And that needs to change. But this is a good place to start. Let's start with parental policies. Let's start with policies that benefit both men and women, that level the playing field and start to eliminate and have clearly eliminated in other countries the motherhood penalty that women incur at work when having kids. And so I think in tackling a lot of these problems, it makes so much sense to just start with things that have already been demonstrated to be effective with other countries. Absolutely. And I I think big policy or big level, high level policy reform is a really important prerequisite to solving this problem. We can't solve this problem alone. However, there is and there are some practical takeaways for individuals in the job search process or in that negotiation process that can also we can draw some conclusions from this data, too, that I think are really, really important to touch upon. So as a negotiation coach, right. like, what would you suggest that women do who are moms? So first, it gives me no great pleasure to give this advice because women shouldn't have to adapt to our imperfect world full of injustice and women shouldn't have to hide themselves and their human lives right from employers. However, according to this research, there's a very clear case to be made for not discussing or disclosing your parental status while in the interview and negotiation process. In fact, it is illegal for people to ask you, for your employers to ask you about parental status. I didn't know that. In the interview or in the negotiation process. Yeah. It's a, there's actually a lot of questions that are not allowed for employers, not that employers aren't allowed to ask you because of discriminatory Likelihood, right? Because of discriminatory uh, conclusions that can be drawn from that information. However, if you volunteer the topic, they can ask follow-up questions. So don't, you know, there is a case to be made. Don't put the PTA mention on your resume. 
And I, it, it brings me no great pleasure to say this because for moms who've taken time off too, you're kind of damned if you do, yeah. damned if you don't there because you want to show some track record even when you're not working for pay, right? But there is a clear case to be made to not mention motherhood status. And that does, I mean, it's, it's concrete, you know. It's bad advice though. It doesn't I mean, feel kind of shady. Icky, yeah. It does feel icky. But it, I mean, it's true. And like, you know, I, I, in my ideal world, both men and women employees are able to show up to their workplace right. as their full selves, mm-hmm. as moms, mm-hmm. as daughters, as caregivers, whoever they are. But we, that's not, Right. We don't live in that world. We don't yet. We will. We can. We can change things. We should advocate and demand the policies that we mentioned from our legislators, from our elected officials. We should put pressure on the Trump administration clearly is talking about maternity leave, but that's not good enough. In fact, that perpetuates really negative stereotypes that can worsen the situation for women. So we have to make the case for parental leave policies that apply to both men and women. And really, that that takeaway for individual women, there's a flip side for men. There is an argument to tell the men in your lives, and for our male listeners, all of them, uh, for the male listeners here, that there might be a case to mention your family, as Brad the Boo did. I mean, <laughs> there might be a case to be made for for actually not hiding the PTA status on your resume at all, because you can actually experience a pay premium from and, that. And I'm all, I mean, get that get that money, people, <laughs> right. right? Like, I'm Work all that privilege for, if I'm you got all it. for making this unjust system that we all live under, mm. making it work for you, right? Like, right. there's no shame in it. Do right. it. Get your money. <laughs> Hashtag get your money. Hashtag get your money. I love it. I love it. So not that. Yeah, I think I think there's there's there are conclusions we can apply in our own lives. And and I hope that we can change that advice really soon for women, that we can also make sure that we understand the women with whom we work, who are moms, are statistically likely to be as if not more efficient than you Um, and that we should treat those those people we work with who have kids with respect to treat moms with respect although you know what we should do an episode on is something i hear a lot from single women or childless workers that yo just because i don't have a kid to go home oh to, my god doesn't this mean i can work 24 7 story of my life we gotta say that for another, <laughs> podcast, for another but podcast story of my life it's such a big deal and i hear that from Huge so many deal. women and just because i don't have kids doesn't mean i don't have stuff to do in my day or like just, my yoga class is also important i'm sorry i got netflix to watch yeah <laughs> no i'm kidding i do but. no but also dinner matters dinner with friends matters and and, and like, yeah, just I'm like, my time is valuable. Yeah. Too, like but I'm a that's full a person, yeah. whether I have kids or not. Right. You get it. Right. So for now, I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you, the listener. We want to hear from the moms of Stuff Mom Never Told You. Has this experience been true for you? Have you felt ever like your parental status has held you back, has led you to being left out or judged or less compensated in in ways that are totally not fair and men have you felt the effects of the fatherhood premium have you gotten a a bump in your paycheck when you had children or if not what has the experience been like for you and and to our single listeners too yeah single ladies and also men we want to hear from you too right like what are your perceptions of the moms and dads in your workplace. How do you think this is all playing out? Mm. So make sure to tweet us at MomStuffPodcast. Snap us a pic on Instagram at StuffMomNeverToldYou. And as always, we love when you fill up our inbox with lots of goodies. So send us a message at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com.
Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Allie Wentworth. How do I grow a teenager in a pandemic? Well, that's exactly what I want to find out. In my new podcast, Go Ask Allie, I'm asking experts to help me answer that question. For example, are quarantine teenage girls more apt to Instagram nude photos? Are they somehow going to end up on the dark web? Are teenagers getting ripped off by their new virtual education? And how do we deal with their overwhelming anxiety and uncertainty? And are they losing empathy? I'll be talking to experts and friends like my friend Brooke Shields. She'll reveal how her complicated sexual upbringing has influenced how she is as a mother to teenage girls. It's a new world, and how we raise these young humans in it determine our future. So let's share some real experiences with all new episodes releasing every other Thursday. Listen to Go Ask Allie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.